Welcome to the Jackie Service Show. I'm Jackie Service, where we are talking all things people strategy, entrepreneurship, and how hiring the right humans will unlock the next phase of growth in your business. As a former corporate VP of HR, my life completely shifted when I learned I had a brain tumor. From this moment forward, I knew that there was more. I dove headfirst into healing, mindset work, and spirituality. And from this space, my entrepreneur journey was born. Now I am a people strategist and founder of Serve Recruitment Agency, a boutique recruitment firm that helps scaling companies hire aligned leaders for growth. In this podcast, I'm going to share about my business journey, entrepreneurship, leadership, and how hiring the right humans unlocks massive potential. Welcome to the show. Are you confused about hiring? You're not alone. Majority of leaders struggle to figure out who they need, in what roles, and when, and how these people will have the greatest impact on the growth of their business. This is why we created People Strategy Sessions to do a deep dive into your business and help you build a clear roadmap on the talent you need to drive sustainable growth. We dive into your greater why, where you are today in your business, where you want to go in your business from a growth standpoint, and ultimately, who do you need to enable that growth overall? For more information, please send an email to Jackie at JackieService.com or feel free to reach out at JackieService across all platforms. Welcome back to another episode of the Jackie Service Show. This is take two for my friend, Graham Barlow and I. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much, Jackie. I think this is where my uh, podcast adventures started with your show, and I am so excited to be back for round two. Well, the podcast blew up and I think it had to do with the title. Let me just read it to you. If you haven't already listened to the first episode, you're going to want to press pause, go back and listen to the first episode because you're going to hear more about Graham's story and how he got to be the CEO of Iversoft today and a lot about how his philosophy and innovation has changed the game when it comes to team dynamics and how he has built a really successful high-performance team. But the episode is called Innovating Work Culture, Iversoft CEO Graham Barlow's shift to a four-day work week. It will be linked in the show notes, so it's only one click away, (laughs) but highly recommend pause this one, go back and listen to episode number one, because we're not going back through your story today. We are diving into a topic that is near and dear to both of our hearts, which is all things AI. I am so excited. I think this is the most interesting, buzzy, and misinterpreted word in the ecosystem right now. If everyone's got their own definition of what AI is, looks like, feels like, how it impacts business. So really, really excited to dive into kind of probably practical execution of how AI is in business today versus, I don't know that we're going to spend a ton of time diving into the philosophy of how it changes human direction in time and space. I think we'll we'll leave that to uh, different minds, I think. <laughs> yeah, this is, and that's just it. I, I wanted to have you back on the show because of your tactical and practical execution against innovative thought, like using AI in your business, in my mind, although today it might be more mainstream, a year ago, it was innovative thought. 
And I know you've been using it for a long time. And so that's really where we're going to take this episode today is if you're listening to this as a founder, CEO of a company, and you're curious how AI can enhance and amplify the teams you already have, this is the show because we are definitely going to go there. So let's start here. What are some of the crazy myths and beliefs that you have heard about AI from your network, from your peers, <laughs> and maybe from your team as well? Yeah. So I think there's so much misinformation, disinformation, everything out there around AI. I think there's genuine concerns in the narrative about where the future of AI is headed. But if we look at kind of what I hear on a regular basis today, there is a very strong narrative across the board of AI is going to take everyone's jobs. Um, AI is going to control your life and going to make certain things completely obsolete. I think what we're seeing is it's changing the nature of a lot of jobs. It's changing the nature of how and where you do um, your work and where time gets invested. Uh, but at least from an Iversoft perspective, one of the things we've been very cognizant to look at and very intentional about is when we bring AI into a department within the company, when we bring it into a different role, we're really looking at how do we use it as kind of that igniter to make really smart people go that much faster and able to do that much more and take a lot more of the kind of mundane repetitive stuff off their plate versus role replacement, mm -hmm. um, which I think is a lot of the narrative that you see in the media of like AI is going to cost everyone their jobs. Like AI is going to change everyone's job. The internet changed everyone's job. Um, I don't think it eliminates the jobs, at least not the version of AI that we have today. Um, and then some of the other myths are really around what it can and can't do. I, I think there's it's easy to see GPT or MidJourney or any of the other popular tools do really cool things and be like, oh, wow. All right. That's ready for commercial use today. And it's like, well, not quite. <laughs> mm -hmm. there's, there's some incredible, incredible things it does, but it's not ready to replace engineering talent today it's not replacing your design team today um, it's making them go a lot faster and it's filling in a lot of the blanks but at least in the extent of our exposure it's not at the stage today where you cut your team in half and still accomplish the same thing i think you take the same team and you do 10x as much at the same better time so powerful that's such a let's pull on that a little bit because that's one thing obviously in the space that I'm in when I'm <clears throat> working with CEOs and founders and we're talking about teams and dynamics of teams and you know build out of teams in order to scale and enhance companies one of the fears of a lot of the staff is when we bring AI in my role is going to be replaced and what I just heard you say which I think is such an important piece to kind of double click on and and talk about a little bit more is this whole idea that what if this perspective shift was that AI is not coming to take my job, but how can I integrate AI into the job that I'm currently doing to enhance and amplify the performance and output that is possible for me as an employee in Iversoft? We will use your company as the example. 
So let's talk about that a little bit. I'm really curious to get an understanding of how you've helped your team create that internal narrative and helped maybe ease some fears that they've had. And then let's talk about like maybe a one or two realistic examples of how it's actually changed productivity in your organization. Yeah, that's a, a lot to unpack there. I love it. I know um, we're, this is, we're going in. <laughs> I'm asking every question I want to know because I'm curious of how you're doing this. <laughs> yeah. I think as, as we've talked about in the past and as I will probably beat the drum forever, philosophy and culture starts at the top, right? Like you have to have unified, consistent messaging across your leadership team. Um, one around corporate philosophy and in AI, there's a lot of different takes on it. We've taken a stance of this is technology that we intend to use. It is technology that is a core part of our business. And we are going to figure out how and where it makes sense to implement it. So all teams across the board in every department are tasked with, if you could find ways to improve your day-to-day workflow with AI, try. Um, Obviously on uh, sorry, still battling the uh, toddler exposure to every disease on the planet. Yeah, um, welcome to being a parent of a toddler. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> uh, it never stops. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, a lot of that is like there are certain areas where it's either intellectual property or security related. We can't really play with a lot of the AI tools yet because nobody really knows where the privacy concerns land. Yeah. However. When we look at our HR department, our operations department, our marketing department, our sales department, our QA department, um, AI is playing a massive role in taking unbelievably smart people we already have on our teams and letting them do so much more. Mm. And it's everything from policy revision and creating an interface like an as I'm sure you're very familiar with a lot of companies, we have a an extensive knowledge base of like policies and employee um, guidelines and support materials and everything. And it's huge, which is great. It's been developed over time. It's very robust. It's not always the most navigable interface in the world. AI mm-hmm. creates a phenomenal way of feeding it all of the content and saying like, you are now kind of a, an interface guide for the for the company. Anyone can ask you anything they need and, and find what they want. Um, To even really, really mundane stuff where we've used it, we've been able to leverage it to modify a lot of policies that would have taken I don't know, days, weeks to generate and months them up when I the board. When I started my career as an HR coordinator for a Fortune 50 organization, <laughs> one of the things I had to do was review and update policies in the handbook. And I would go through with a highlighter and a pen to create these like in inputs that needed to be changed and have all the conversations with all the right people to then physically go change it myself. It was months of time. That's crazy. Versus what can be done today. Yeah. It's it's so funny. And what I I think has been really entertaining um, watching some of our teams go through the process of leveraging AI, and we'll stick on the HR side of things for a second here, um, is sometimes the like weird limitations we put on it 
of like inventing things that we think it can or can't do. And in this context, we'll be talking mostly about GPT-4. Um, but uh, several weeks ago, our HR team did a really good job of like updating a whole bunch of new policies, um, generating a bunch of new content, having it review and kind of feedback on on a bunch of documents. Um, but then realized, oh, everything was out, was kind of put out in um, US English spelling. And so they're like, oh, crap. All right, well, I'll, I'll just go spend a little bit of time switching everything over. And it was like, or just ask GPT to switch it from US English to Canadian. Impressive. And push go. <laughs> and it did it in two seconds. And it was like, oh, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, yes. Things like that I find funny on our team is like sometimes we'll have people use it um, to do these really complex things, but then like, oh, the like little nitpicky stuff, I'll I'll deal with that myself. It's like once you start to learn how to use it as a tool and once you start to learn how to use prompts well, it's really good at cleaning up the nitpicky stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. And so to me, like chatting with staff who uh, oversees our HR uh, people and culture team, um, the policy and maintenance side of their department has gone from, like as you said, weeks of work to like half a day a quarter, which is incredible because it means that the rest of the time that that team is now working, they're focused on employee experience and culture building and really leaning into more how we innovate on a remote digital culture and all of those things that are really important, but often get, push to the sidelines for the kind of administrative you must do and must stay on top of these things. Um, same thing with like new policy comes out, new roles from the government comes out. It's a great tool for doing that first pass of, hey, flag any areas that might be impacted by this. So that's been that's been really interesting. Um, I'm curious if you're seeing kind of similar parallels in, in the like recruiting and policy world, because I know you do a lot of like team building structure um, and senior advising in the HR space as well, right? Yeah, I do. So I'll still go in and, you know, I always say like my business is kind of front-end consultancy when it's kind of people strategy, thinking about things from a philosophical standpoint. And then we also have a back-end engine that can actually go and drive the changes when it comes to finding great talent. So I I play this you know, caveat of both. And so I'm having all sorts of different conversations with founders and leaders constantly. And I would say similar to you, one of the things I've found on my own team is like anything new, there's a behavior shift that has to go with it. So there's a change management process that I think so often we miss when these wide sweeping new technologies come out And so I've witnessed and noticed in my own behavior and therefore will trickle into my team behavior where to your point, a simple task, I find myself doing it almost on autopilot because I didn't take the beat to take a breath and think, is there a different way to do this? Is there a better way to do this? Can I leverage technology to enhance this experience for everybody involved? The answer I'm going to go with a hundred percent of the time when I catch myself (laughs) in that cycle is yeah, there's likely a better way to get this done. And, and so it's that behavioral connection of like finding myself in the moment when I, when my response is innately to just go do 
instead of taking a second to sit back and reflect on what technology can I leverage to actually support me. And a lot of the times for us, it is, um, you know, GPT as like one tool that we use more regularly. (laughs) Yep. And for my experience of leveraging it, like I find half the time, if I'm wanting to ideate or innovate on a certain topic within my own business, and maybe in past, I've had to call in subject matter experts in that space to say, hey, Graham, what are your thoughts on this? And, you know, my COO, (laughs) Madison, come on in and let's brainstorm. Well, there's still a beautiful space and time for that. What chat GPT has allowed for me is to be my thought partner in a lot of different areas where I can type in a question and it's going to spit out maybe 10 options. And then I leverage my experience and knowledge to say, okay, cool. Like eight of 10 of these are a great start. Let's go throw those into a doc that we can actually start to ideate on. And so it's just allowing me to think differently, but it is that change management piece that I think I've missed and I've had to catch myself in. And I can imagine in larger organizations like yourself, it's that pausing and asking that question like, hey, could could we leverage technology to actually change that to Canadian English instead of US English? <laughs> you know, can we not spend four hours on that? And can we just drop that into a chat and have that have that evolve? Um yeah. so totally that's kind of just a tangent on what what I've seen and how it's really helped me. I love one it. of the things that I struggle with, and I'm curious to get your perspective on because you are running tech a tech company, you're an innovative, like forward thinking brand and company is it feels like every day something new is coming out. And it's like a new (laughs) technology that I didn't know about or hadn't heard about yet. And um, let's use this podcast as an example. It's like all of a sudden I found out there's technology where I can put this recording into a AI app that can cut up for you and I both 15 pieces of content that I can send to you. And then you and I can share to continue to build our personal brands and drive more like to serve more in the world. And so how do you keep relevant in the world that's constantly (laughs) changing? Like, what are you doing to keep relevant? Oh man, that is a good question. Um, It's what I struggle with because like you could fall behind in AI in a day. And I think you just have to, to some extent, take a stance that that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, come up with a bit of a disciplined structure on how and where you recheck in on what's changed. We're looking at, on our side, having essentially people from each division within the company assigned a little bit of time on a weekly or monthly basis and share it amongst a couple of people. So it's not all on one person um, to almost scan the ecosystem and scan the relevant news. And then more on a bi-weekly monthly cadence, review what's new, see if there's something we should be exploring and kind of go from there. Because what you don't want to do is be, so shiny object chasing each new tool every day then nobody has a chance to build process and i think that's one of the challenges for a little bit larger organizations is and i think you nailed it of like triggering that thought of like oh maybe there's a different way to do it to some extent 
how you scale is by eliminating those questions often and having repeatable, scalable process so that every time a challenge is taken on, there isn't that like, oh, do I go invent a new way of doing this thing? And so you want to have a culture of innovation and culture challenging it, but you also don't want to have 50 people reinventing the wheel every single day with a new AI product every single day. And so for us, that's been like AI champions in each division. Really cool. Biweekly and monthly check-in of like, hey, here's the new tech, here are the new tools. If it looks interesting, we'll usually assign half a day or a day of someone's time to go fully explore it one of the things that's really exposed for us is often the marketing pitch from the AI companies does not fully align with the product reality of what they're offering, um, especially in the dev tools world. And this is where like, I've had great chats with Vicky, our CTO, um, and she said like, yeah, there's some cool videos out there of like, Hey, I can build an app in 10 seconds. It's like, kind of, yes. However, what you can do with that app, what its structure is and how practically useful that is, is still in question. Like we can mm-hmm. absolutely use AI Copilot and a whole bunch of other stuff to make dev go a lot faster we're using it extensively in prototyping and rapid prototyping of re- like really basic features. But the pitch that we keep seeing in videos of like through pure common language prompts, you can have a complex application in an hour. No, like, nor can you even like completely refine the code to ship a complex application. You can do basic stuff, but mm-hmm. we're not there yet. And that's, that's okay. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of it comes down to finding that discipline and as a leader, identifying when and where you have opportunities on your team to help unlock different mindsets that might be blocking people. That's like we huge. had Yeah, that's yeah. that's what I see so often. It's you know, there's this I always see say that there's this intersect in business. You have kind of one circle that's people, you have another circle that's like tech systems tech. And then you have this interlock, which is like a process that can, that can support (laughs) people and support the tech, right? Like ultimately that's how I think about business in a lot of ways. And, and what is not there is like the underlying belief systems, the underlying triggers, the underlying fears, the gray space of which we all are in human nature of how that then plays into our adaptability of things like AI coming into the marketplace. Well, and I think one thing that leaders need to be cognizant of across all teams is AI, whether you believe it or not, is a hot, semi-controversial topic in pop culture. We have had conversations with people on different teams where they've come out and said, like, I don't feel comfortable experimenting with AI. I think it's bad for humanity. And we've had to kind of navigate that a little bit of like, I, I appreciate that and I understand where you're coming from. Here's where we think it fits in your role and here's where we need to encourage you to kind of lean in. And I mean, so far, I'm grateful that we've had kind of positive outcomes of all those conversations. But it's one of those instances where it's like, when you have a large enough team, not everyone by default is excited about this. 
Um, there's also a lot of preconceived notions of what it can or can't do or what it is or isn't good at. We've had conversations with team members where it's like, nah, I played with GPT six months ago. It's no, no good for user stories. It's no good for this type of documentation. It really can't understand the nuance of what I do. And it's like, well, it's changed a lot in that time. Let's put together a model. Let, like we, we do a lot now with like custom GPTs and setting, we have a brand, we have a brand one. We have them set up for individuals for content. We have them set up for HR. Um, we've got custom GPTs for like a whole whack of stuff. And, and just for the people listening, what is a custom GPT? What does that mean? Yeah. So there, that's a new ish feature from GPT from the paid side of GPT four, where you can create a kind of standalone version of chat GPT and you can feed it all kinds of documents or information, whatever with it, with a pretty extreme limit. And so like, let's say in the case where we want it to contribute to social media or business development on behalf of somebody, you can feed that GPT, your brand guide, your website, and five years of content that that person has written and say, all of your answers should be in this tone, this voice as this person based on the philosophies you've consumed and have it then consistently do that. And it's not like opening up a new chat every time and trying to set your prompts to set that, that expectation. And you can give multiple people access as long as they have GPT-4 to that custom GPT. So in the example of like the brand guideline or the brand ambassador for Ibersoft, we have a GPT that multiple people can interface with that has been trained and calibrated to be a bastion of Ibersoft brand. It's got our philosophies. It's got our, we've kind of set guardrails in terms of like, here are your stance on these topics and these topics. If you're going to help generate content for social, if you're going to help um, look for podcasts to reach out to um, stay within these bounds and, and respond in these ways. And it's been eerily powerful at how good it can get at that stage. And when we've had clients that are willing, it's a great tool for augmenting product discussion and augmenting things like user story generation. I don't know if you've ever been through the user story creation journey for a large tech project. It's the it's the process. And for, for listeners that haven't done it, maybe it's one of the first things we do when somebody comes into Iversoft and is like, I need to build a thing. And they describe the thing. And one of the first things our product team does is like starts to map out all of the user journey. Like as a user, I want to do this. I want to be able to log in. I want to be able to recover my password. I want to be able to check out an item. And you go through every single function because this becomes the kind of North Star for the development team when they're creating features for the UX team, when they're creating um, UX and design. Um, but as you can imagine, sometimes user story generation is a little bit tedious. There's a lot of them to capture to properly uh, convey what goes into, into an application. And we had a lot of discussion internally uh, initially about whether or not AI was actually a good tool for that. And I think where we've settled is it's, it's a very, very good jumping off point. Mm -hmm. um, the dream fantasy is that you could feed it a pencil sketch concept of like, here's the thing we think we want to build, generate the user stories. And it'll give you like 20 pages of user stories that explains it. It's not there yet, yeah. but um but it's a phenomenal co-pilot for our product team to move 
that much faster in, in nailing client specifications and just making that iterative process so much faster, which is incredible. And I think that's, that's a great example of what we were talking about at the beginning of this is not role replacement. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's going to have an impact on jobs, but I think the biggest opportunity is it's going to make your smartest and best people so much faster and so much more capable to go deep on their core expertise because your best product people that have the vision that really know direction and can really help define and shape what that product experience needs to be aren't spending all of their time writing user wants to log in, user wants to log out, user wants to set admin panel, user needs like it's just it gets a lot of that noise out of the way and lets people focus on their core superpower. I love that. Yeah, I think it's it's such an important point. And and for those listening in, like that's a real core that I want you to take away from this conversation, which is it's really about the amplification and the enhancement of roles and not the replacement. And yes, I can see in some worlds where, you know, I'll use a, a marketing agency as an example, and you think, okay, we might have had 20 copywriters in the past, right? Maybe we no longer need 20 copywriters because we have a tool that allows us to have 15 and we can get the same amount of work done. So I am seeing some of that from an from a we'll call it replacement standpoint. Yep. And it's also created an opportunity for those people to think about how can they enhance their own skill set. So maybe if they were a copywriter before, they can copyright and do another piece of the pie or step into maybe a different role that they were really looking to get into from an enhancement of their own career path as well. So I've seen that. I have seen where there can be redundancies where, yes, there's a need to look at headcount. And my ask, if you're a leader thinking about AI within your teams, really think about it through that lens of enhancement and how we can continue to become more efficient and productive from an output standpoint as teams and have our have the human working on the type of work that only they can do because there's a different level of expertise or context that they have that they can take the framework and add some additional detail and specificities to. That's definitely something I've seen is like, hey, this is a great starting point. And now let me throw some context into this particular custom project for this particular, you know, this particular client and context that I have that is really difficult for me to put into a a GPT type um, tool that, you know, it could even be like, hey, I get it. That's really close. But I'm going to change like one word to make the languaging feel more effective for what we're doing. So I love that whole idea of it's not to replace, it's to enhance. And if we can have that mindset, then to me, some of the some of the limiting beliefs around AI may start to dissipate. Yeah. Uh, I think it's well, really powerful. I, I think you nailed it in that like there's as great as it is where it is today, there's still that final 10, 20% that is critical to have that hands-on approach. And the nice thing is for content writers or like content experts, if if AI does 80% of the base and you spend your time on the refinement, hook, polish piece, that's where the magic lives anyway. Right. And like that's where you have you get to drive disproportionate impact with your time, which I I love. Um Another, I think, maybe great example of where I'm 
I'm very keen to continue to explore AI because it's, it's somewhere we've been playing with and is maybe a little bit controversial um, in Ooh, that we've we been playing it. with. <laughs> like, dun, 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 what is it? <laughs> <clears throat> um, we've been playing with a lot of AI tools on the BD outbound side of the world where we've been using AI tools like RevScale. And I think you're you're talking to them um, in January for, for the podcast, but tools like RevScale where you can give it access to something like a LinkedIn account and it's and and train up the model and give it kind of good direction and then kind of set it upon the world to go listen to a higher volume of conversation than you could possibly ever process on your own and find opportunities for connection. It's not out there like taking calls for you, but what it's been doing is like a step above what sales navigator or things do of like, Hey, here's everything that's kind of warm. It can, it can go out and find anyone that's talking about the themes you've talked about or in the fields you're looking at and do that first outbound. Hey, I love what you're doing. It's got enough context to kind of know what they were talking about, know what you want to talk about and make that cold open Mm. um and i think we've seen it do thousands of cold opens across a couple accounts that we're working with and have a like really high hit rate for being able to book meetings and right now we're looking at it as as a very kind of complementary sidecar role to your traditional sdr outbound um type activity and i think it's it's interesting i think there's there's a weird world where like the social networks, if they don't like really figure this out, it's just going to be a whole bunch of AI bots pitching to each other. Um, but right now, I think there's a big opportunity for companies to explore AI in the outbound side of things where it's human enough that it can do that initial kind of door knock uh, cold open. And then if you've got good processes on your side to pick up the the ones that get initiated and have a bit of reception, you can amplify what you're doing with your time to an extreme level and with better data and a model that adapts every day based on where it's getting success and getting responses and getting um, traction. That is just incredible. And like we've had it mm-hmm. running for a couple of months now and I'm very excited. I wouldn't say it's like blown up and changed our world today, but I can definitely see the path where it fundamentally changes how we operate. And I think that's, that's really interesting because I think one of the things we hear about, at least in, I think the group we're in together is like people like, I don't know how to do opens. I don't even know where to like start and go and do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And actually it's, this ties into a conversation I had at breakfast today with someone who was like, I want to get into my personal brand, but I'm, I'm too nervous to put myself out there. I don't know how to like take that leap of like start, posting and my response to him was like have your team do it like help them write the content have someone else hit post because they don't have the emotional hang up well ai doesn't have the emotional fear of like i don't know if i should reach out to this it just does um and as long as you're willing to have the follow-up conversation i think it it can help a lot of people break past that fear of getting out of their comfort zone and get the momentum moving um which i think is pretty pretty interesting I'm excited for that conversation too. And uh, yeah, it's, 
every, every conversation I have with you, I just find myself leaning in and in and in because you are such a wealth of knowledge of a network of new, new founders and new technologies that are out there that are actually making a difference in your day to day. And one of the things I just want to really acknowledge you on is I love the reality that you aren't afraid to go first. Like you're open to trying it, even if it means you're going to learn, you know, people will use the the language failure. I think it's learning. We're either growing or learning at the end of the day. And so I just love that mentality of like, you're willing to go first. And when everyone else was afraid to go remote, you went remote. When everyone else was like, you can't work in a four day work week. You were like, let me prove it to you. You know, like there, there's just this edge about you as a, as a CEO and founder that I have so much respect for because you're willing to try things first. And so I just wanted to take a pause and just acknowledge you for that. I think it's 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 incredible. And I'm so grateful that our lives have been brought together. Likewise, I, I appreciate that. And it's as crazy as it is, it's like people get so caught up in these dramatic stories. I think they build in their head of what failure looks like or could be, or we got so many questions when we did the compressed work week four-day work week stuff of like what if it doesn't work it's like then we change back like Mm -hmm. it's 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 not like you've moved the entire ship and there's there's very 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 little in this world that you can't undo or change and one thing i would encourage and like i i hugely appreciate every conversation we've had because you've opened my eyes a lot on how the whole HR world and human strategy world plays into this as well. But like, I would encourage so many people as a leader, if you're wanting your team to be willing to experiment and try things, and if you're feeling frustrated that your team isn't willing to just jump on new trends or take a risk on something, and you're just like, oh, I don't understand why they're not willing to like put themselves out there. Like, why won't they just try these things? Like, Look in a mirror. You have to lead at the tip of that spear. You have to be willing to publicly make mistakes. You have to be willing to be that first mover. And like we've seen a lot of wins from moving moving first. We've also seen a lot of like good learning opportunities come across mm-hmm. our plate of like, oh yeah, that looked that looked great. It actually wasn't. We're gonna go back to how we were doing it before. Um, but if you do that, you build a very safe place to have innovative thought and i think we touched on this a little bit last time and it's certainly something that comes up a lot when i talk to founders like how do you build an innovative culture it starts with creating a safe place for people to experiment Um, so many times companies want to be innovative but don't give any room for anything but kind of perfect execution and ruthlessly persecute anything that isn't done exactly right the first time. And it's like, well, then how, how do you expect anyone to want to experiment and innovate and take risks if you're not willing to do that? And if you're not willing to show a culture of that? And I think like, for me, that's going to be the defining philosophy heading into AI over the next 12 months is there's so much coming that we don't have our heads wrapped around what it can do and how it can impact. And you have to just approach it with an open mind of, again, set a cadence so you don't go crazy, but keep looking. Um, And don't 
find one thing like, okay, cool. We have the AI thing that solves that. Don't look at it for six months. Like keep looking at what's coming out because it's incredible how many companies are changing it. Like we're having, I think I'm having a conversation next week um, with two different companies in the finance space that are looking at how to streamline so much of the financial operations side of things to make reporting easier, to um, make year-end cleanup easier. Um, was it a core thing on my radar, but consistently came up as, hey, here's an area where we can get disproportionate value. It'll cut down human effort and error that goes into it, and it will free up your operations team to, again, focus on people operations, to redirect some of the time that would have gone into some of those tasks, move it over to enhancing day-to-day life for people. And like I've, I've said this time and again, our, our core business is people. Our number mm-hmm. one job for all of our clients is attract attract and retain the best human beings on the planet that we can find. Um, and the more I get to free up our team's time to focus on that, the more successful we become. Mm. That's the video clip we're putting out. <laughs> like I love it awesome. when leaders get that. I just, and that's, that's where we are connected through a mastermind with Dan Martell. And Dan's been in the SaaS tech world for so long and has not been open to coaching other people outside of that up until now, like up until the last year. And, um, That philosophy right there, which is the understanding that, yes, we run businesses and our business at the core is the strength of the people in which we bring to the, to the team. That right there is a philosophy and leadership that I clearly have a strong opinion about. And when Mm -hmm. I hear leaders get it, it's this immediate like knowingness for me of like, all right, they're wired differently. Like they see that, yes, at the end of the day, you're still looking at your strategy and your vision and your numbers all have to be considered and looked at in every decision we're making within business. But at the core of looking at our entities and understanding that we are driven by the success of the people in which we have, like that is the philosophy that uh, I think creates incredible leaders in this world who are open to building environments where risk-taking and experimentation and innovation is not only welcomed, there's like a set of expectations we create that this is just how we do things around here. And um, I've definitely been involved in organizations that I've either worked in or come in and consulted with where it's been really led by fear, right? If we don't do X, then we're not gonna get to Y. And if you don't perform (laughs) this way, then we're not gonna get that thing done. And it's stifling and it takes away the character and the humanity and the like vibrancy. Um, I think about myself of like the creativity that these humans just innately have and want to just pour into if there's an environment where they feel like there's psychological safety and that they can explore what that might look like and feel like. And you hit it on the head. It has to start with you. And so thank you for pulling that loop back. I was acknowledging you for going first. And I wasn't thinking about it through the lens of it being literally a leadership imperative of why you do what you do. And here I am, like, you just gave me an aha moment of like, 
I see it now. That's super cool as to why you've been so successful is because you go first. So I appreciate that. I, I'm curious question for you on that. Mm. Um, as the kind of queen of all things people strategy, when you encounter those leadership groups that are in a fear mindset, or if you're coming in and supporting an organization where you see that, how do you, as the leader coming in to support that group or as the kind of people strategy first uh, ambassador, how do you overcome that? What are some of the conversations you get into that help reframe people's expectations when you, when you hit that? <laughs> I love that question. Um, here's a truth. Here's kind of two core things. Cause yes, I have worked in those organizations. I'll tell you how I've approached them. And I've also been very intentional about the leaders I choose to work with going forward. So there's, there's a piece of, you know, we talked <laughs> about rev scale earlier, like there's a piece of me filtering and really identifying like, Hey, is there alignment here in our philosophies around people? Because if there is, I think we can do some really cool work together and we can enhance and amplify everything you're doing within your organization because there's an openness to doing that. And so I think about a lot of the times like the success in which I can go and serve to an organization and a company also is dictated on the belief systems and philosophies that exist within that ecosystem to begin with. So that's right. one kind of core thing I just want to openly express <laughs> because yep. I've also had to go into situations where it's a turnaround situation, or you have four leaders who are wired one way and there's one person who's holding it back. And so how do you, how do you approach those situations? How do you work through those situations? So no, I don't always run and hide from them. I do embrace them and step in with them. And that's where like, for me, human nature is such an innate piece of running businesses. And I'm grateful that early in my career, I had a coach, an executive coach that really helped unlock my own thinking. I'm grateful in turn that I then became an executive coach, even though I don't outwardly suggest that I do that anymore. I'm not going into companies and just coaching. I take a coach approach to everything I do within business and I have enough knowledge of psychology and sociology and how people get, how people are wired to ask meaningful questions, to try to break down the barriers, to really understand and identify what is the fear, what's the core belief system that's actually holding us back here. So for me, it's a, um, here's our, here's our French Canadian talking here, a no bullshit approach to <laughs> having conversations that need to be had. Because yeah. a lot of the times as an outsider, let's let's just use an example of a leadership team where you have four leaders that are all on board and one who's not willing to hop on and that's slowing us down. There's usually an, there's usually an elephant in the room that's not being talked about. There's usually yeah. an undertone of something that hasn't been said, a conversation that hasn't happened. And so that's where I like to break things down to a human element of everything and recognize that every individual that shows up at your leadership team has their own background, their own belief systems, their own, their own experiences that have led them to have those belief systems to begin with. And so it is a little bit of dissecting some of that down to be able to understand where their fear comes from. You said it, you got to point the thumb at yourself instead of pointing the finger outward. Starts there. We have to look in the mirror and we have to be willing to do that. And sometimes it takes longer than others, but genuinely people want to do good in the world. 
Yeah. Like I find most people want to do good in the world and want to be successful in the things that they're pursuing. And so if you can get to some of the core, you know, impersonal reasons in which they are driven a certain way, you can unlock possibility. And that's something that I love doing. I have teams that will come in with me if it's a really sticky situation of uh, other coaches I trust (laughs) deeply to like have the conversations we need to have. But that's ultimately it. I think at the end of the day, even when we're talking about AI here, I just see such fun potential and a frequency that could be so exciting to go play with and explore in and experiment in. And I'm curious about how many people are not going there because of an innate belief or fear that's actually holding them back, not just within AI, but it's probably holding them back in innovation and leadership and team development in whole. Absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. I don't know if that answered your question, but that was my tangent. (laughs) It did. I love it. I love it. I actually have one other area that I'm, I'm curious to hear your perspective on because, and and we're going to pull it back to AI here a little bit, because it's something that I know we have not leaned into on the AI front and um, for reasons I can go into afterwards, but what is your take right now on the role of AI and candidate screening? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's go there. <laughs> um, so, I'm a big believer in the work that I do, which is really defined. So, um, you know, I'm not a bulk recruiter. I'm not looking for the exact same role a hundred times for a company that's growing and scaling. I'm really definitive in, I like unlocking leadership teams. I like bringing executive folks to the table. And yes, once I bring executives, that sometimes trickles into a business that I become very familiar with. And uh, so in that vein, could AI support bulk hiring processes? Maybe I'd be curious to explore that. That's just not my niche. That's just not where I'm yeah. honed into. So I'm not even sure I'm the best human to ask that question to. In what I do day to day, I really find AI again can enhance our processes. It can enhance our um, asking better interview questions. It can enhance our approach to maybe getting more uh, skilled ways in which we actually go source candidates. Um, because at the end of the day, it's like, if your pool is bigger and you have more epic people in it, then great. We're probably going to find some, some really great talent as a result of it. It's one of the reasons you guys went to remote and four day work weeks is it opened up the doors to a crazy amount of more talent that was not available to you when you were only Ottawa centric. (laughs) Yep. So like there is a world in which AI can really help the process in which we're doing, we're doing the kind of holistic side of things. We've been playing a lot within the screening, like the pre-screen before we actually had human interactions with things like um, uploading video of the person and then leveraging AI to kind of support like, hey, based on all the things you said, this is essentially how that person stacked and racked. We're still having a person go back and review them though. So we still at this point have a human going reviewing them, but we're getting curious about how AI can support us in an initial pre-screen when you have, yeah, let's call it a thousand applicants to screen yeah. those thousand applicants who have submitted a two minute video <clears> and say <throat> rack and stack against this job description. That's kind of cool. Cause it can yeah. expedite that process. 
and then hopefully help us get the top 20%, which then we put human um, behavior, behind. we actually put human hours behind to actually yep. validate those things. So how have you been finding the results so far between your human review and AI review? Did the results match or is AI missing a lot? What are you, what are you seeing? It's so new for us that we're like still, still TBD. <laughs> yeah. um, I will say that one of our searches in October of 2023, um, we did this process and the result was like, we did have somebody from an AI technology screen, the initial first three minute video. That was the person we ended up hiring. So we've had a successful hire through that. Cool. And there was also seven other rounds of human interaction interviews that had to happen on the heels of that <laughs> because of our yeah. process and then the client side process. Um, so was it AI? Can we say it's AI? I don't know that we can say it's AI, but did AI again, go back to enhancing our experience to get us there faster? Yeah. yeah. I'll give it that credit. That's awesome. I love, it. I love it. I think that's one thing that we're, we're constantly playing with is like by benefit of being a remote company we could draw talent from everywhere downside of being a remote company we could draw talent from everywhere and the <laughs> volume we sometimes get is crazy like I, I love it i'm so overwhelmingly grateful that we have so many people interested in working with us but it does pose some human logistical challenges if you get yeah. a thousand applications or three thousand applications for a role of how do you consume review and do that in a pragmatic and approachable way? Right. And um, um, one of the things that I know a lot have struggled with, I've seen it all over LinkedIn in the last year is candidates experience is so important too, that they're going to put a resume forward. And that's like for them, a life-changing moment where they're making a, yeah. Hey, I'm putting my hand in the, I'm putting my hand up. I'm putting my name in the, in the pot here to want to be considered. And if they're ghosted and, or don't hear back from anybody that then creates a ripple effect on who you are as yeah. a company to begin with. Yeah. It's important to like really think about the experience of that. So I think there's some bulk support that AI can help in that side of things. Oh yeah. Um, the only thing I would say is what I've noticed in the market right now is and this is just food for thought and something to consider is at the end of the day, how I approach talent is the best people aren't always looking. They're not always putting their hand in the pot um, or their hand. Rarely up, are me. they. And so I'm still a hunter, a matchmaker. I have a philosophy of going and finding people <laughs> and I, I haven't found any tech yet. So if you're out there listening to this and you are a technology that can help me find better people through sourcing truly help me find better people through sourcing. I'm open to it. I yeah. have technology that will give me more names, but I'm still the one that ultimately has to review and dictate if they're the right style candidate for the role that we're looking for. I love it. If you hear anything about that, let me know. Yeah. I'm, like uh, you have, you have two intrigued. buyers on this call. So if you're listening to this and you've created <laughs> that technology, hi, my name's Jackie service. This is Graham Barlow. We're interested yep. in the conversation. <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. Well, Graham, thank you so much for coming on for a second time, for spending your time with us. We were having this conversation off camera and I literally said, I know you were just on the show <laughs> six months ago. I deeply think the listeners would value from hearing your perspective and how AI has shaped your organization really practically in Iversoft. And I just cannot thank you enough for your time and dedication to being here with us and just sharing your wisdom. 
I appreciate you having me back. I think it's been incredible since the first time I was on here. It's always a pleasure chatting. And I've been amazed at how many fun doors we've been able to open together since our first conversation. So if this ignites half as many of those conversations, I'm uh, I'm excited. Thank you for having me. If you are listening to this and you've made it to the end of this podcast, go download Graham's first episode because he is chasing. He is on the heels of being our number one episode in 2023, which is so cool. Um, I think we're at 60, 61 episodes now. So you're right there in the running for being our number one podcast show. So close. And I have no doubt that this one, especially with the topic we're talking about, is also going to catch fire. So grateful for you. Thank you for your time. We'll link up all ways to connect with you in our show notes in case you're listening and want to learn more or have Graham on your show as a guest. And I'm just so grateful for our friendship. So thank you again, my friend. Thank you, Jackie. All right, guys, we'll see you again on the Jackie Service Show. Thank you for listening in to today's show. If there was a key message that landed with you, please share or send us a direct message on Instagram at Jackie Service and let us know. We love hearing from you. Also, to continue to keep this podcast growing, it would mean the world if you could take a minute and like and rate the show or share it with a friend. Our team is forever grateful. Until next time, we'll see you again on The Jackie Service Show.